Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I'm joined by my co-host. I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, and I just suck both y'all's dicks. All right. (laughs) We got some... Real interesting stuff coming up in this episode, because in this uh, season, Jason's already having the best time here. You know what makes it fun is like I when I thought that would be the intro, I just knew how much it would delight Dave. And see, yeah. seeing Dave's reaction, it's just, it's just wonderful. <laughs> well, Dave's going to have a good time because in this episode of our season on the films of 2012, we are talking about Dave's pick. So, Dave, what did you pick for us to talk about? I picked Harmony Corinne's Spring Breakers. Spring Breakers from writer and director Harmony Corinne. And the most successful and famous movie, I think we can say, from from Harmony Corinne, certainly, uh, who is not exactly a mainstream filmmaker, but this was a movie that... I would say deliberately made an effort to sort of reach a mainstream audience or a more mainstream audience, even though the content is still pretty abrasive, as in some of his other films. He cast notably uh, Vanessa Hudgens and Selena Gomez, who at the time were primarily known for being Disney Channel stars and doing kind of bubblegummy pop music. And that was a very talked about element of this film. Uh, Ashley Benson and his wife, Rachel Corinne, are the other main stars of this film playing four college students on spring break in Florida where they meet. Jason, are you going to do an impression here? I assume uh, (laughs) alien, the rapper slash drug dealer played by James Franco. I got guns. I got swords. I got whatever. I don't know. Ah, man. You know, you, you set you set the bar high. With, with that, that Alan Arkin impression that you did on our Argo episode. And, I mean, uh, I have to focus a little more on Alien, but, uh, yeah. you know, I haven't done it. You know, I've been too busy like Alien hanging out with them dope boys. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, indeed. That's that's what Alien does. <laughs> so um, so this movie was quite a decent sized success for, a, you know, sort of small mid-level film. It grossed $31.7 million on its budget of $5 million. And it was an early hit and perhaps a, a sign of things to come from A24, which was a at the time a new distributor. This was the third movie that A24 had released and the first one really that got widespread acclaim and attention and was kind of a stepping stone for all of the art house dominance that A24 would have in the next decade or so, I think. Yeah, I mean, you you wouldn't, uh, I mean, this was like a nice, uh, modest hit, right? But you wouldn't say like, oh, this is going to launch a media empire uh, that's going to lead to best pictures and like the number one indie studio around, even though, you know, we're we're getting to the point where maybe they're beyond indie, like they're doing cool things, working with cool people, and they found their own, you know, kind of way into the Hollywood system, but like they're such a force, like you have to consider them as something more than just an indie studio at this point. Right. So. I mean, at the time though, they were they were this kind of upstart organization. And this was you're you know, Jason, you're right. It was it was like not a massive hit. It's not everything everywhere all at once, but 
uh, for a movie at this level, again, it's a quite profitable film and something that garnered a lot of attention and got people presumably to notice what these people were doing. What I think it might be even more important or as important is that they very early laid out this blueprint to show that they want to work with interesting uh, independent voices and that they'll support them to make, you know, their visions of these projects. Right. Who at the time that this movie was made thought, let's give Harmony Corinne $5 million. I mean, that's right. a big well, risk right there. Not just that, $5 million to make a movie that like has no traditional form, right? It's like a pastiche of like elements and they kind of feel like, it feels like almost like an hour and a half montage, right? And uh, just little little snippets, little vignettes. And Harmony Corinne himself said he was trying to make a movie uh, that was a mix between a Britney Spears video and a Gaspar Noe film. So if you're wondering why Dave picked it, I mean, that's certainly <laughs> yes. up on a, a plate right there. Indeed. <laughs> and so, I mean, uh, befitting Harmony Corinne's uh, sort of reputation, this movie was and, and I think still is pretty divisive. Reviews from critics were a, a lot of them were positive, but, you know, not necessarily always effusive. Uh, Manola Dargis in the New York Times was a big fan. She said, welcome to the party, dude, Mr. Corinne seems to be saying, or is he snickering? Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. He proves an excellent ringmaster and a crafty one, too. In Spring Breakers, he bores into a contested, deeply American topic, the pursuit of happiness taken to nihilistic extremes but turns his exploration into such a gonzo, outrageously funny party that it takes a while to appreciate that this is more of a horror film than a comedy. That Mr. Corinne appears to be having it both, or many, ways may seem like a cop-out, but only if you believe that the role of the artist is to be a didact or a scold. Mr. Corinne, on the other hand, embraces the role of court jester, the fool whose transgressive laughter carries corrosive truth. He laughs, you howl. Yeah, that's that's cool. I think that's a fair assessment. If you are on the side of liking it, the idea that like he's building this world and this story and it's like, you know, kind of uh, heightened, but he's having fun. Like you can't whether you like it or not, you can't say that he's not having fun with this project. Oh, yeah. He's I mean, and I think he's the kind of guy who has fun with all of his projects even when they're disgusting and dark, that's probably when he has the most fun. So, um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. To me, the, the kind of having it both ways-ness of this movie is, is a lot of what I find really frustrating, that it's like, you know, if you're going to make this Girls Gone Wild type video almost, and then say it's like a critique or, or the idea that like, well, this is all ironic. It's like, well, you're, you're still just showing a bunch of, you know, naked co-eds at spring break and i feel like your levels of irony are not strong enough to support this necessarily but i mean but certainly he's he's all in on doing both of those things yeah that is one of the discussions josh that's been around this film like is it misogynistic or is it feminist empowering right like that's been an argument about it right and i think it's neither of those things i don't think he's a misogynist and i don't think he's necessarily uh, hates women or that the movie hates women, but it's not, I, I think it's just, it's just a bunch of gross exploitation and not in a, in a targeted way per se, just in a sort of unpleasant way. I don't know. I find this movie, um, you know, speaking of Gaspar Noe, 
<laughs> like, <laughs> despite all of the 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 hot topless women in it, I find this movie very difficult to watch. It definitely took me, uh, you know, I had to take a lot of breaks getting through it. But um, other critics were also positive, um, more mixed a bit. Uh, Robert Abelli in the Los Angeles Times said, lewd, lush, and mind-emptying, Spring Breakers mixes the commercial lure of its bikini-clad good girls turned bad with Corinne's brand of subculture excavation. The movie is an arty lark of ambiguous entertainment value, pulsing with melancholy. It's rarely less than interesting visually or tonally, thanks in large part to Corinne's prurient sense of humor and the rich location textures and Crayola sweep provided by gifted cinematographer Benoit Deby. Corinne does manage the nifty respiratory trick of breathing in the intoxicating perfume of debauchery while exhaling a self-satisfied soullessness about it all. In the end, it's the strip club leer that hardens into a catatonic stare, which in its way is commentary enough for a pop exploitation riff like Spring Breakers. Um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, th- debauchery is a good word, obviously, to yes. use here. And I'm just trying to place, Josh, You are you saying you were anti-debauchery on this or what? what are you saying? Well, I'm not, I found the debauchery just sort of repetitive and irritating. I mean, I'm not pro or anti-debauchery, like philosophically. I think it can be something that's entertaining in a movie. I think it can be something that you examine in a movie. I just think, and I think this is a movie that is attempting or purporting to do both. And I don't think it succeeds at, at, at any of that. I think the it, it just sort of wallows in nothingness, you know, and, and, you know, after a while it all is just, it's repetitive and annoying. And, and you could argue too, I'm sure that that is part of the point, you know, and like Harmony Corinne, the idea that people find his work annoying is probably a point of pride to him, but that doesn't mean that I wanted to watch the movie. Well, I do think there's something to be said for uh, a polarizing personality. At least people are reacting to the, his films one way or the other, right? They are. And I I also have to say, like, because I don't uh, maybe I didn't look any deeper. Maybe that's on me. But like, is there anything deeper to look at in spring break? Maybe this is just a pastiche, a heightened pastiche of something that's already a heightened uh, American insane, you know, uh, tradition of sorts. I mean, I think he is attempting to look deeper. I mean, I think the fact that this is not just it's not just a girls gone wild type thing. It's not just the drinking and the drugs and the the nudity and the sex. Like the whole second half of the movie is about the violence. It's about alien. It's about these college students who start out with that kind of debauchery, then descending into wielding guns and getting involved in armed robbery and things like that. So I definitely, I think he's attempting to go beyond that surface level. I don't really think it works, but I think it's trying. Yeah. I don't know if I agree because like we do see those girls commit a robbery to get the money to go on spring break, whether it's water pistols or not, they're still scaring people. Right. Right. So, I mean that, that too, then even earlier on, it is trying to sort of get you to uh, question your thought process about, college girls in spring break i suppose i i did not question any <laughs> no and i i mean i'm with you in that like i don't think it's i think it's just empty empty provocation and i don't think it, it it really is making any kind of point and i feel like even a lot of these positive reviews would sort of agree but they you know went went along with it anyway 
So I'll chime in later during the uh, what we thought. Okay, you feel free, Dave. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I know you're a huge fan of this. So if you want to mount your defense there, you know, you don't have to uh, keep quiet. Look, if you want a philosophical point from me, Josh, then I'm going to give it to you right now. And okay, the only thing you need to know is big booties and bikinis, y'all. That's what life is all about. Yeah, spring break forever. (laughs) You're you're honing your alien impression there as we go along. So finally, yeah, a little bit more negative, but still mixed. Uh, Guy Lodge in Variety said, following four college girls' descent from Florida spring break debauchery to the even more vertiginous lows of thug life, this attractively fizzy pick may be a shock to the system for fans of teen queens Selena Gomez and Vanessa Hudgens, but remains pretty toothless titillation by its writer Helmer's standards. If the film is a sellout, however, it's a calculatedly ironic one. From its day-glow opening montage depicting the sights and sounds of a typical spring break, Corinne is plainly aping the aesthetic of such vapid MTV exploitation shows as Jersey Shore. Less clear is whether he's effectively satirizing them or merely complicit in the glossy meretriciousness of the culture they represent. Yeah, I mean, I guess that if we're going to be talking about that on a... um just kind of on a visual level, like that was a calculated choice and a really good one. Like MTV beach house, girls gone wild, all this stuff that you're talking about, anything spring break, right. Is uh, you consider with a look Jersey shore, I guess. Right. So he captured an aesthetic that you at the time really weren't seeing all this much on film. Like it was kind of this mix of like found footage party stuff, but without the found footage ishness of it. So I thought, you know, the look made it, it helped make it unique. And I think he continues that into the beach bump. Yeah, I mean, I do think the visuals here, and as mentioned, that that cinematographer Benoit Deby is responsible for for a lot of that, are are striking. And to me, the thing about this movie is that it's so impressionistic that I feel like if it had been a music video, it, if, if Alien had been a real rapper and this had been his music video, I probably would have been like, that was pretty cool for three minutes. But yeah. trying to to string it together for 90 minutes and pull, put this half-assed story on it, it just, it's just, you know, I keep saying, I'm going to be repetitive by keep saying how repetitive I feel like this movie is and monotonous. I, I want to say, um, I had no clue how famous Selena Gomez was back then. I mean, yeah. I get it now and I'm a big fan of her since Only Murders in the Building, you know? But I really just knew her, I guess, Wizards of Waverly Place or something and like pop star. But I didn't realize already at this point, like she was a huge star for for beyond just that kind of Disney Channel style stuff. Right. Well, she and Vanessa Hudgens, you know, this was the height of the whole high school musical era for Vanessa Hudgens. And they were both big stars. But I think part of the thing is that maybe you weren't as aware of it because you weren't part of the demographic that they were such huge stars in, you know, neither of us would have been. And so making this kind of a movie with people who were hugely famous among that kind of an audience, basically sort of teen and and really more like tween girls, maybe was part of the provocation that Harmony Corinne is is attempting here. And, and it works. And um, the Ashley Benson character was originally going to be Emma Roberts, but I guess she didn't feel comfortable with the sexuality of the part, but I think, which, you know, look, everyone makes their own choices. And so the other people they were considering 
were like Demi Lovato, Elle Fanning, and Sarah Hyland, you know, who were kind of in that same type of, obviously they match the age range, but that same type of visibility, you know, for that audience. I think Sarah Hyland would have been an interesting choice to play that character. Yeah, I know you're you're a big Modern Family fan, and so you're probably more familiar with her as an actor. Um, Demi Lovato certainly was within that same like Disney orbit or whatever as Vanessa Hudgens and Selena Gomez. They all kind of came up with their uh, at the same time with their various Disney projects. So clearly that was something he was aiming at, you know, really wanting to to, I don't know, exploit that connection or whatever. And I mean, not that we should discount the agency of these actors. I mean, just as Emma Roberts turned it down, like the people who are in it, obviously said yes to it and wanted to do it. And I would imagine that it's a mutually beneficial situation where he gets these big Disney stars to boost his weird art movie and they get a chance to branch out and do something different and show that they can do something more mature than their Disney work. And and I'm sure that helped them as well. I think Vanessa Hudgens said like after, you know, she had a sex scene in there and it was so traumatizing for her or how difficult to do that. Uh, she asked her agent, like she told her no, no more sex scenes ever again. And it, it's got to be so hard. Like, this is not just like sex scenes. These are like really, you know, pushing the pushing the limit of um, comfortability for the characters. So as an actor, it's um, pretty brave to take that on. Yeah. And I mean, I guess maybe this wasn't an entirely positive experience for her then, but Certainly, I think the the decision to be in the movie in the in the first place is motivated, at least in part, by hoping that it'll showcase them in a different way. So did you uh, did you watch this when it came out, Jason? I missed it when it came out and I oh. watched it on an airplane, which is a completely <laughs> not good decision, Josh, to watch yeah. this while you're on it. You know, every time uh, a, a titty pops out, you got to look around and like, oh, I'm holding the screen towards myself or whatever. So, but I mean, you know, there are, you know, movies that you just, that, that's what a lot of plane rides are for, right? Like to, one, to get to the destination, Josh. That's the main purpose, mm. really. But sure. two, it's a good time to catch up on movies, right? Sure. Totally. So was that like, recently or just like a couple years after no i i think it was like two or three years after it came out or maybe yeah. in a year but um yeah so that was my first experience uh with it and then uh didn't didn't watch it again till this rewatch but you know uh on record as saying i was a huge fan of the beach bum uh the first time i watched it what i find interesting about both of them is like i don't think that these like get this i don't get the same enjoyment on the rewatches as i did on the first viewings hmm. yeah are you were you familiar with harmony corinne's work before this familiar yes but hadn't uh, honestly hadn't i mean i knew who he was i knew he wrote kids i knew about his other movies and his little foray into yes dogma 95 coming back today mm, uh, yes, indeed. all season long but no the spring breakers is the first movie i saw of his Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, that was also for me, the first movie that he directed that I had seen. I had seen kids, which he wrote and, uh, was sort of a big breakthrough for him as well as, I mean, a lot of people involved in that movie, but that was directed by Larry Clark. And I liked that at the time that I saw it, but I'm pretty sure I saw it when it came out in like 1995 and haven't seen it since then. So I don't know how I'd feel about it now, but Spring Breakers was the first movie of his that he directed that I saw, and I did see it. I saw it as a, at a press screening. I reviewed it not favorably at the time, 
and my opinion has has remained pretty consistent on it. So, um, Dave, what was your first experience with Spring Breakers? Yeah, I saw it in a the theater. Um, I thought it looked insane. I was not very familiar with Harmony Crin's work. I also had seen Kids, of course, and I also saw Gummo, um, like back in high school. It was one of those weird movies everybody talks about and then ended up seeing, but that was the only other one. And so, I mean, that was a long time before that. Did you but see I just it? thought this, I, I don't remember. I was just at someone's house and it just seemed like, is this just like a VHS tape that you made? Like, I, like you know, I have no idea what the hell we're watching, but uh, it sure was weird. But uh, yeah, I, I hadn't seen anything else since then. And I mean, is this a movie that you loved right away or that kind of grew on you over time? It definitely grew on me over time. Like, I, I definitely liked it right away. I, I think I liked it, you know, a lot more than you did, Josh, and, you know, maybe around the same as Jason, but I actually liked it more this time around. So it, this actually grew on me. All right. Well, that is something that, uh, I don't know. I was trying to make some sort of joke around that, and it didn't work. So let's move on. Dave, you're a weirdo. <laughs> Jason, uh, any other background info on this film you want to talk about? This is one of those movies that's fun to research where, like, every new fact you find is like, that sounds insane, and that's perfect, right? So, like, there's a bunch of them. Uh, I think, you know, Harmony Corinne saying, like, he wrote and made this movie to make up for all the spring breaks that he missed because he was, like, part of skate culture and never was always so into skateboarding, he never did spring break, was interesting. Is this and, the kind of spring break that he wished he had gone on? That's a disturbing... Probably. Topic. Well, I mean, this is what spring break is, right? Well, yeah. you know, yes, but also I feel like most people who go on spring break are not murdering rival gangsters. Usually. No, I mean, Josh, I think they're talking about going down to, like, you know, Panama City or San Padre, San Padre, San Padre. San, San Pedro, isn't it? Island? No. And yeah no, no. san pedro's in california texas. no san oh, yeah. padre is in there you go in texas right yeah right and you just go and party you get drunk and foam party and blah 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 i think that and then you know the the whole crime element is his heightening of that i don't think he was saying like man i really wish i was you know doing hard crimes back then i wouldn't put any of that past him really <laughs> my favorite backup fact uh josh is that Riff Raff, the rapper. You remember mm -hmm. Riff Raff, right, Josh? No, I remember. Uh, wasn't there a Riff Raff in... Uh, <laughs> Eclipse? Yeah. Is that <laughs> yeah. what it is? I was Riff thinking of some, yeah, that some was kind the, of cartoon character. That was the I'm sure he's story. named after him. That was the B story in Heathcliff, <laughs> mm -hmm. Riff Raff and the Jump Guard Gang. Oh, and this nice. is why you want me on your trivia teams, because of mm -hmm. stuff like that, Josh. Yeah. Um, but Riff Raff, the rapper, it tried to sue the filmmakers because they said he, they sampled his life to make this movie. The idea being that James Franco's character was like a ripoff of, of his persona. Right. And Franco says it's not. It's of the rapper Dangerous. Who makes a cameo in this film. I yes. Yeah. 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 As do the ATL twins who they say that story is that's in the movie is all true about them. Like that they they share girlfriends and they, you know, they're always dating the same woman. Right. And they're sort of introduced as like aliens sidekicks, although then they don't really do anything. I don't even know if they had a line, either of them in this film. Yeah, that's OK. Yeah, no, it, whatever. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we will come back then in a moment and talk more of our general thoughts on Spring Breakers. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 2012, 
We are talking about our producer, David Rosen's pick, Spring Breakers. And Dave, you've been pretty quiet here so far. So you want to tell us what you love about this film? Sure. I mean, I don't think it's it's necessarily, you know, about Spring Break itself. I, I think this is just strictly about American culture and just how gross and awful it is. And yeah, it, is he showing that on screen? to make fun of it and kind of pick it apart. Yeah, of course, you know, but it's not just about, uh, you know, showing all the tits and the sex and the drugs and all that stuff. Like it, it's, it's about what people want out of their lives right now. And, and I think things have only gotten worse since this movie came out, you yeah. know? <laughs> so that's why it works like so much better for me. And uh, any, any social commentary from any era that we talk about yeah, on here. Yeah. Pretty true. much. Make America mm. great again. <laughs> <laughs> the world's going to shit, and uh, Harmony Crin likes to film that kind of stuff. If you watch all of his other, well, movies. no, I mean, you know, one thing you would think is like if this was today, right, and the same characters were going on Spring Break, they would be all over, you know, every social media platform, like just documenting it themselves, right? Sure. Yeah. And everyone would tune right. in. The movie that I kept thinking of that's like a successor to this, I feel like, is Zola which is mm -hmm. also uh, yep. set in this kind of same area and is obviously completely social media focused. So yeah, yeah. you're totally right, Jason. You know, uh, Zola, I think is a good thematic one. I also thought that, and another A24 filmmaker, there were yeah. um, maybe not uh, on screen, but like the kind of way it's shot and certain feels of realism. Uh, Sean Baker came to mind a lot of this. I feel like mm -hmm. Sean Baker is so much more of a humanist though, because the thing about Sean Baker movies is that maybe they're about like dirt bags, but you get the sense that Empathy. he's really, yeah. yeah, exactly. He's trying to understand these people, even if he's not maybe like trying to excuse their behavior, he's definitely <laughs> interested in who they are and what makes them tick. And Harmony Corinne in this film barely even has characters like, uh, uh, Vanessa Hudgens and Rachel Corinne and Ashley Benson, their characters like are just blobs. Like they don't have personalities. They don't have a distinct, like distinctions between any of them. Uh, we don't know anything about their background or their motivations or whatever. And so I feel like this is a movie that is not at all interested in its characters as people. I mean, I was, again, I was talking about Sean Baker with the way right. he puts things together visually and kind of maybe picks like those ATL twins, like pe people who aren't actors to like kind of really um, add color to the film. But uh, Josh, like, I get what you're saying, but also like, again, we're getting a glimpse of like, I think like, is, uh, is it, is there anything wrong with an Andrew WK song? No. So like, maybe this is all that this was supposed to be was one big giant party anthem. I mean, I don't think so. I think Andrew WK, and I know you're more of a fan of his than I am, but I mean, the thing about him is that he's like all about genuine positivity right? His songs are all about partying and having a good time. And that's what he's all about. He's like, let's be, let's have fun. Let's be together. And this movie is not that at all. Even all of the, the like voiceover that the characters have about, oh, we found such unity here and we met these people who will be our friends forever. And it was so beautiful. Like those are all meant to be ironic. Those are all played over scenes of horrific stuff and they didn't make any friends they didn't change like if they changed <laughs> right. it was only for the worse well again yes you're right but or is it them like being like oh 
we really effed up. We're in trouble. Now we have to hide this from our parents because people at that age do that stuff. So maybe they're like, yeah, I'm having a great time and really, you know, learn, you know, learning about myself. I don't know. I'm just trying to give you another point of view. Josh. I, I think yeah. the Andrew WK comparison is much better for the beach bum. Because I feel like this is the negative side of what Harmony Corinne is trying to explore. And the beach bum is the pure 100% positivity side of the same basic idea. Mm. Which also has its sad moments, though. Yeah, I remember, I mean, not to get away from this movie, but I remember watching the beach bum having sort of heard about it from that perspective, Dave, that you're describing and thinking, this movie is horrific. It's dark and <laughs> fucked up and not fun at well, all. Look how happy he is. Look yeah, how happy uh, Moondog is. Well, it's so funny the way we're watching it differently because, yeah, exactly. I'm watching it through Moondog's you know, eyes, I guess, and he's just chilling no matter what the situation yeah. is. So. Exactly. But we're talking about string, spring breakers, Josh. Yeah. And, you know, we, you, yes, you make fair points. Uh, I mean, look, Project X, maybe that's something that Ugh. kind of follows this kind of model here, too. But like, you know, this shows like that elevation of consequences when you get deep into that crime game. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I, that movie is awful. And I don't. Did they commit crimes in that movie? I haven't seen that. I'm just talking about the party. The party yeah. is the thing that can't stop Josh. Right. That is true. <laughs> yes. And this escalates to a point. But. I mean, I guess also one one other thing that frustrated me in this film, and I didn't remember this aspect of it, is that, you know, we start out where basically Selena Gomez's character, she's sort of the the reluctant one, right? She is, while her friends are busy robbing the chicken shack to get money for their trip, she's at like Bible study. And I mean, it's all played cartoonishly, but the idea that that she sort of has these moral reservations more so than the others do. And that contrast where the character acts that way or feels that way or wants to project that image of herself, and then they go to spring break and she is fully into all the debauchery, at least up to a point. And then when they get arrested for, uh, for drugs at one of these crazy parties and Alien shows up to bail them out of jail and he kind of takes them under his wing and they go from the fun candy colored debauchery to his real like dark world and she starts having serious doubts and there's a great scene where he's sort of like pseudo threatening her when she says mm -hmm. she wants to leave and you know in a very like textbook like sexual predator kind of stuff and i thought well here's some actual like dramatic tension in this movie right here is a character who is struggling with her conflicting desires and this guy who is menacing her and then instead of exploring that she's just like no i'm gonna leave and then they're like okay bye and she never comes back well i guess the exploration is with the what the ones who stay and you know what happens to them although really they make out just fine too they do a lot of murders and they get away in a fancy car and there's really no problems for them after that <laughs> right and that's what i'm saying there isn't exploration and also because those characters have no no layers to them have no depth to them they're not they're, there's no complexity whereas selena gomez's character does have something going on where i can like sort of grab onto this as a person who i can find some interest in and then they get rid of her dave yeah defend the movie <laughs> I, you know, that's the thing. I don't think I can defend the movie because, uh, it, as we've discussed with a lot of Harmony Corinne stuff, like you, you're going to get out of it what you see in it, you know, and it's definitely that kind of a, a film. 
And I, I think that there's a lot more going on here, like like what I've already discussed. And and I think that, you know, as we see those girls start to get more and more into uh, Alien's life, you know, this thing definitely gets more and more, you know, metaphorical and, and dreamlike. And like, it's it's definitely not to be taken straight up literally what's happening, I don't think, half of this stuff. I mean, they're just in a drug-fueled haze at that point, going through all kinds of weird shit. And so, you know... It's just kind of a strange and open to interpretation way to structure a film. Let me bring up a few things, Josh. One, uh, some nice performance work from, you know, as big art, Gucci Mane. Yeah. And pro wrestling legend Jeff Jarrett as the uh, preacher at the, the church. But yeah. that was originally going to be Val Kilmer. And then it was <laughs> and then Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan had to pull out. What you going to do, brother? Uh, and then it became Jeff Jarrett. But I thought like, you know, little little bits like that were nice. We have to talk about the score, which was awesome. The score is great. annoying. Yeah, Josh, I know you're not a Skrillex guy, but I thought Robert Martinez and Skrillex captured. Cliff Martinez. A... Yeah, who's Robert Martinez? I don't know. Some I think guy. that's not my sure. buddy Stoner Rob. <laughs> Who would fit perfectly in this movie, right? So, But uh, Cliff Martinez and Skrillex did a good job of... Uh, capturing that vibe of spring break. Yeah, I kind of honestly wondered, like there are certain, I assume the Skrillex side of things, the, these like dubstep breakdowns or whatever, that I just like are to me the most like abrasive sounds in music. And I wondered, I'm like, am I supposed to be annoyed by this? Because I feel like that's something that Harmony Corinne, again, would would take pride in. But maybe it was just me. We're very old. One of my, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite tweets ever from Conan O'Brien was, Thought I listened to the new Skrillex album. Turns out it was just a garbage truck crushing my garbage cans. <laughs> yeah, or I think about like that 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 Key and Peel sketch where they listen to dubstep. I don't know if it's Skrillex or what it is, but like they're they're all like uh, calm, and as soon as they put on the dubstep music, they start like breaking stuff and going crazy and whatever. So, I yeah, I, I don't know that yeah. I was trying to think if I covered Skrillex at one point in my music writing life because I did Chromio and I remember that. But like, I feel like I've covered Skrillex, but maybe it's just that that haircut became so popular that I, I did. So like, it. like you saw him perform live. It's it's two of them, right? Isn't Skrillex? No, two it's of just them? the dude. It's just yeah, it's one just dude. one dude. Oh, yeah. there, I don't know anything. <laughs> Let's just move on. Hey, Josh. <laughs> James Franco won Best Supporting Actor from the Los Angeles Film Critics Association, tied with Jared Leto, who won the Dallas Buyers Club, the Oscar for that that year. I feel like Jared Leto is like alien in real life, probably. <laughs> probably. He also won it for uh, National Society of Film Critics in the San Francisco Film Critics Circle. So uh, what do you want to say about that? I mean, it's a performance, certainly. Um, I feel like, again, it's deliberately abrasive and, and it succeeded. I found it incredibly irritating and I wanted him to go away. You wanted uh, subtler beats on, uh, on the Florida white rapper alien? No, no, I mean, again, I don't think I want this movie to be subtler. I don't think Harmony Corinne has the ability to be subtler. You know, that kind of attempt from him would be even more of a failure. I just think his whole deal is not for me. Listen, which is fair, which is very fair. I guess what we've all agreed is that Sean Baker should remake this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I am definitely more on that wavelength uh, in terms of in terms of Sean Baker. So I just want to go back quickly, Dave, to something that you said about the idea of the later parts of this movie not meant to be taken literally as if there's some sort of surreal dream or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you feel like 
we're meant to think that this is all just an imaginary scenario for these women? It, it possibly. Yeah. It's one of those open-ended things, of course. Like I, I really don't know for sure, but I mean, I don't think they really survived a gang encounter and killed both rappers and like got away scot-free from spring break like that. That's just, that's too I insane. Took, I took it literally. I mean, I, I did wonder that. I feel like if you don't, it's better because during that, that scene, and this is, you know, at the very end there where they sort of, uh, invade the compound of aliens, best friend slash rival, and they kill all these gangsters. I was like, man, these gangsters have terrible aim. They're all missing. <laughs> like these girls are completely unscathed while alien gets shot in the head almost yeah, immediately. And from us, from a long distance. <laughs> right. uh, shot. That was kind of funny, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I it's interesting how different we're all taking it, Josh. Uh, yeah. So I guess we see why it racked up thirty-one million in box office, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a movie that I mean, I'm sure part of that box office was people who were fans of Vanessa Hudgens and Selena Gomez who didn't realize kind of what they were getting into, um, and or possibly people who were titillated or enticed by the idea that these wholesome Disney stars would be in their underwear in this film or whatever. But uh, presumably in there somewhere are people who had a genuine interest in Harmony Corinne's work. Josh, you're the expert. Every time by Britney Spears, where does it rank on her uh, list of uh, songs? I mean, I feel like in general, Britney is better at the upbeat stuff than she is at the ballads because she's she all respect to Britney Spears, but she's not like the world's greatest singer. So I feel like where if something is less adorned and more trying to showcase her voice is not quite as appealing. It's a good song, though, and it it works here. If it had been a Britney Spears music video, I would have liked it more. You know who should go on spring break? Britney Spears Instagram page. <laughs> yeah, I know Britney is, uh, you know, she's free now and she's 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 enjoying her freedom. Is she? Is she, I think Josh? she is. Are you a little worried when some of those Instagram posts go up? Like, uh, do we need some? You know, it's none of my business. And plenty of celebrities do plenty of questionable things and don't have courts intervene on them. I understand. So. And I'm just saying, maybe I hope that she's look, anyone who needs any mental health help. Uh, sometimes I look at those Instagram posts and I think like, I hope she's getting help that she needs. I hope so, too. I hope she is uh, getting the full support and is not on a sort of debaucherous uh, do you think britney likes this movie i wonder if britney likes this movie it's i'm not sure if she ever i mean i presumably she had to actually probably she did not have to sign off on the use of her music in this film because i'm sure she had no control over that, it but nah, that sure. montage is insane though because it's just them like <laughs> dancing around a piano holding guns and then they're just like doing robberies and it's like man this escalated very quickly here so <laughs> yeah. yes but i feel like this escalated very quickly is like the core theme of this film <laughs> yeah should we rate it yeah you want to rate it out of uh five uh gun slash dildos maybe all right i was gonna you know go with uh na naked people but either way sure, that so. too all right uh i give it three it's three uh enjoy all the nudity there <laughs> enjoy enjoy the three nudities out of five i give it so. all right i give it a two i can't say that i really enjoyed much of anything here but i guess i will respect harmony corinne from a distance uh, you're like you're like uh he put together enough footage to make a feature late right film, no so I, I will mean, give it it's two stars <laughs> i mean no beyond that he's 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 trying something you know 
I, it is not for me, but I always appreciate a movie that at least is taking big swings and trying to make a, an artistic statement versus something that's just boring. Um, so I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll give it credit for that. It was funny when I went to rewatch this, I was thinking to myself, poor Josh. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, that's, I, we, we've had the opposite here, certainly where I've picked movies that did not appeal to, to one or both of you. So that's, that's I personally okay. delight in Josh's misery while watching movies. <laughs> when he is. tells me of like upcoming screenings of bad things he has to see, I'm like, that just makes me really happy. Wonderful. <laughs> Dave, what rating are you giving this film? Four and a half. Whoa. Oh my God. I love this movie. I, I, I was four last time and I'm up on it now. It's great. See, Josh, wow. turns out Dave's just sucked y'all's dicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll come back and talk about the legacy of Spring Breakers. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 2012, we are talking about our producer David Rosen's pick, Spring Breakers. And in terms of the legacy, we've already talked a bit about A24. I think that's a big part of this, that this is early A24. It was the third film they released. The first two films that they put out didn't make much of a splash. And what this were was, they? Uh, it was the... Uh, a Glimpse Inside the Mind of Charles Swan III is the right. first movie that they released what is dire that? directed by that. Roman Coppola, uh, you know, um, which I haven't seen. It's supposed to be horrible. There's a, there was a preview for it on the DVD of this that I watched. And the second film they released, uh, which was just came out a week before Spring Breakers, was uh, Ginger and Rosa, which I don't think I've seen that either. But that was, uh, I think, a fairly respectable kind of uh, coming of age drama with Elle Fanning. Um, but neither of those movies made like an impression the way that this movie did. And I feel like there's a lot, you know, we talked about the look of this film. I feel like the look of this film really is influential on a lot of A24 and similar indie space kind of releases. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's what I was talking about with the Sean Baker thing, I think. Not that it this, you know, not that this had a direct influence, but it was in the uh the headspace of the whole thing. You have a favorite uh spring break party movie, Josh? Oh man, I don't know. I didn't think about that, but uh, maybe not. Nothing's coming to mind. Do you, do you have one picked out? I assume. No, I was just asking you. Oh, okay. I thought maybe this was a topic that you had prepared, and thus. Uh, I mean, uh, Van Wilder's fun. I haven't seen that. I feel like this is you know these are the kind of movies that I probably won't typically care for. Didn't we almost cover uh, from Justin to Kelly in the two thousand three season? <laughs> we <laughs> Thank did. goodness we didn't. Yeah, as a flop. <laughs> But I haven't seen that. I was kind of curious about that because I do love Kelly Clarkson. How about the Reno 911 movie? That's good. Right? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. 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 That is fun. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, Revenge of the Nerds 2. I like that at the time, but I'm sure. Hey, it's there you go. Up. Yeah. Nerds in, Ner Paradise. Nerds in Paradise. Yeah, exactly. I loved that movie back in, uh, you know, when I was a teenager. It feels like yeah. everything in um, like the 80s, like every third teen sex comedy was a... Uh, was a spring break movie. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure you're right. And I'm this Revenge of the Nerds is the only one that's coming to mind, but I'm sure there's other big ones that we're, we're forgetting about. I mean, I remember seeing the real Cancun, the reality movie that was like... I thought big, about that a lot during this one. Yeah, and that has had a weird like cult reassessment, I feel like, in, in years since, but um, I am not sure I would be on board. You know, uh, a while, I think one time... Back in the day, I pitched a movie where it was like, you know, a son or a 
daughter goes on spring break and it turns out like uh her mom is also partying down there and everything which i think we've seen like multiple iterations of now have you ever yeah. seen spring breakdown with uh amy poehler parker posey and rachel drop i don't think so but no. isn't that that's is like that's like middle-aged ladies go on spring break yeah kind of I, it's like a lost film i'd love to see that at some point in time yeah, there was that Melissa McCarthy movie, Life of the Party, where it's not on spring break, but it's a similar thing. Like she's the mom and she decides to like party in college with her daughter or whatever. Yeah. So Selena Gomez is the most famous person on the planet, right? I mean, she's famous. I don't know about that, but she certainly is still famous. Yes. She's uh, the most followed person on social media in the world, I think. Okay. That, that could true? be. Yeah. Huh. I mean, she's she's done well. I mean, I think it's interesting to look at you know, because at the time this movie came out, she and Vanessa Hudgens were sort of equal in terms of their stardom for that that Disney demographic. And Selena Gomez has only just, as Jason, you're just describing, has only become huger. You know, her career as a pop singer is still very successful. And she's reached a whole different audience with being on Only Murders in the Building with Steve Martin and Martin Short. Which she's fabulous on. She is. She totally is. And I feel like there's a lot of people who probably enjoy that show who would not have ever seen or heard anything from Selena Gomez. And so she's really reached that new audience while retaining her old audience. I mean, she continues to put out music and have her fan base there as well. So, yeah, she's been very successful. Of, of her upcoming projects, Josh, the one that seems like it would fit this episode the best is a film called Spiral which follows a former influencer whose addiction to social media is causing her body to literally fall apart. That sounds weird and interesting. Yeah, I'm all for yeah. that. Yeah. And her friendship with Taylor Swift. Yeah, right. That is, <laughs> yeah. Right, all of this extra textual stuff is, it was a huge deal at the time of the movie came, coming out and is still, you know, a lot of what people talk about, you know, her relationship with Justin Bieber and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, she had a lot of famous boyfriends, right? She she did. I, I mean, that was the most famous one. But, um, you know, Vanessa Hudgens after this has had a maybe rockier career, although she's found a lot of success in the Netflix Christmas yeah. space. That's going to be that's going to be her groove, man. She's killing it there. Yes. The Princess Switch movies and the night before Christmas. K.N. Um, Right. Exactly. Jason, have you seen any of those? I know you were uh, writing your own Christmas movie. No, but I look forward to the day where our Christmas talents convene together. Vanessa, <laughs> holler at your boy. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> um, Ashley Benson, who was not as big a deal, I think, when this came out, but was on, I think it was Pretty Little Liars, so which was a definitely more uh, adultish or darker kind of thing than those Disney shows. but. She hasn't had as big a career. She does some small movies and TV guest starring roles and things like that and is working, but nothing major really uh, following this, I don't think. She can rest on her 14 Choice Awards and her Young Hollywood Award. But Josh, she's in a movie coming up called Pledge Trip in Pursuit to Belong. Three college freshmen take off down a twisted, debauched, pride-busting road to brotherhood. It sounds perfect for a former spring breaker. That is true. Yeah. I assume she's not playing a college student anymore, maybe. No, but, I would um, hope not. So uh, yeah. Rachel Kareen's just stopped acting. She's married to Harmony Kareen. And uh, now she's just uh, the last thing she was on was like the Nick back in the day. 
Yeah, 2015. I mean, she had a couple movie roles after this and then that recurring part. And I assume she's just, they have two kids together and that she's, you know, chilling at home with the kids, which is totally, you know, that's cool. Your boy Gucci Mane. One yeah. of the, this one was of the, the only movie he ever acted in. Well, he's a, he's a mogul, man. He's got he's got other things to do. When you invent trap music, Josh, you got other stuff you got to get going. Is that is that his his thing? I admit to knowing like nothing about him. He's one he's one of the inventors of trap music. Yeah. So. All right. I just thought it was funny that because I mean a lot of rappers have these side careers as actors, and some of them are better than others. And I just kind of figured like that was him as well. But no, Harmony Corinne's Spring Breakers was the only thing that he was like, yes, I will play a part in this film. You know, this was the one that spoke to him. Josh, uh, we've talked about uh, the Beach Bum, which Dave and I both like. I don't see any uh, upcoming projects for Harmony on uh, the IMDb's. Yeah, I don't know if he's got another movie in the works. I mean, the Beach Bum, I'm not sure how it did financially. It definitely got a lot of attention critically. Um along the same lines. Although I feel like it was less divisive than Spring Breakers. Like it was a lot more highly acclaimed. Yeah, because was. because Spring Breakers like introduced the new audience to this style of his and then they could get down with McConaughey and Jonah Hill and just going and Isla Fisher just going all in on this stuff. Yeah. So I'm sure he's got something else coming up. I mean, he does a lot of work in music videos, including with Gucci Mane and um, directed. It's it's funny that he's made these movies, that, or at least this movie in particular, that's so like critical of commercial culture. And he directs a lot of literal commercials. I actually I didn't watch any other Harmony Corinne movies, but I did devote thirty seconds to watching his most recent Seven uh, Eleven commercial mm. that <laughs> Wikipedia claimed was viral. Although I don't know that that is really the case. It's got with these this hip hop uh, group called Marlo. And I mean, it was whatever. It was a 7-Eleven commercial. I can't think of any reason why it would have gone viral, but I did watch it. Marlo coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dave, I feel like we have to mention, even though this is this is earlier than this, but I know you watched Trash Humpers, and I feel yeah. like we have to discuss that at least briefly. Oh, it's so weird. I mean, yeah, it's like, if you thought that like Spring Breakers was, you know, a bit uh, unfocused or just kind of all over the place, you know, uh, you're not going to, make it 30 minutes into trash jumpers it's it's very strange it, it has that vibe of like you know skater kids just making a weird movie you know but it gets so out there and i i had a blast with it i mean i don't like it as much as spring breakers or the beach bum which by the way i like the beach bum even more than spring breakers uh but i agree with you that. know yeah it, it's it's pretty great though and I, i'm i'm gonna catch up on the other ones that i haven't seen yet yeah he's got an eclectic filmography there Josh, are we yes. going to get a, is James Franco ever going to be mainstream again? I don't know. I feel like once Seth Rogen denounced him, that was maybe the final nail in the coffin. But, but, you know, the thing about any of these quote canceled people is that like, they all come back eventually. So probably he will. I mean, he's making a ton of movies in that kind of uh, VOD space. The one uh, that caught my, I mean, we know he's playing Castro. The one that caught my eye, the long home. A young contractor is hired to build a honky tonk in Tennessee by the man who killed his father, which I think he's also directing. And, yeah, uh, he directs a ton of stuff that nobody like other than the disaster artist. None of the movies that he's directed got any attention, but he's got a huge body of work as a director. Yeah. So we'll have to see, man. You know, uh, you never know. Yeah. I mean, again, I think the 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 route is that a lot, like most of these people who have this this kind of scandal or whatever, they come back in one way or another. 
I'm with Franco. Maybe it'll just be that he does those weird outsider projects that he directs himself or that that Castro thing that I think is a smaller, it's not like a major studio biopic. And there was already extra. In addition to his personal controversy, there was controversy about the idea of casting him as a white guy in that role and all, all this stuff. So maybe he can just feed off of that. Yeah, I mean, as as we always say, we're uh, looking at the art here and uh, sure. he has he has a long uh, body of art with with a lot of cool projects, as we've talked about when we did the room. Yes. Yeah, that is true. Uh, I mean, I, I liked him on the Deuce, the David Simon show and, uh, of course, the disaster artist. And so, yeah, there's plenty that you can appreciate from him as as a performer still, I think. There you go, buddy. So uh, anything else on the the legacy of Spring Breakers you want to talk about? Josh, I think we covered every bit of this movie legacy wise. Yeah. Dave's going to go party like a MF tonight, bro. Dave, are you yeah. on spring break forever? You know it. You know it. All right. Well, that is spring break. Did you ever go on spring break, Dave? No. Closest thing we ever did was uh, the polar bear MCs went to uh, Lake Havasu to do a wet t-shirt contest. So did yeah, you that was our spring break. Did you win? I did. I yeah. did. Of course I did. I rigged the game. Yeah. Did Jason, did yeah. you, I feel like we should have talked about this earlier. Did you ever go on a spring break like this? Yeah, we did the senior trip, you know, and that was pretty much that, but I was not in a place to like, I went out, I did, I partied, but it wasn't really my thing, you know? So yeah, that's fair. No, no, nor, nor mine. Uh, I think every spring break in college, I, uh, went to my house <laughs> with my family. <laughs> Where the real parties. At. That was my spring break going home. So Dave, this wet t-shirt contest, do you guys rap or did you just judge? We rapped, we judged, we, uh, it was a, it was a release party for, you know, every rapper during that era had a clothing line. We had a clothing line called yummy wear and we made, uh, these like spaghetti strap tees and gave them out to all the girls. And it was, Ooh. it was as stupid as it sounds. I wow, mean, dude. so it sounds like Dave, you were the alien of Lake Havasu. <laughs> yeah. That's what it does sound like. A hundred percent. All right. Well, that is Spring Breakers. And that is this episode of Awesome Movie Year. Show us your shit on social media and online. (laughs) Hey, guys, we're on uh, social media and online. You can go to awesomemovieyear.com if you like. That's our website. You can go to Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter for as long as that lasts. Who knows? And I'm all over the socials at Jason Harris Comedy or J Harris Comedy. My website, Eat This Comedy, is up. My old website, Go For Jason, is in a wet t-shirt contest that Dave is judging right now. So don't go there. But you can go to Go For Jason on Letterboxd. I am at joshbellhateseverything.com. Some old stuff is there still. At Josh Bell Hates Everything on Facebook and at Signal Bleed on Twitter and on Letterboxd with newer stuff being posted there. And listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. Check out Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. We did actually cover the Beach Bum, so go listen to that episode. And uh, follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. Jason, what do we have in our next episode? Josh, it's a cult classic. It's called Dread. And that's what the next episode is. (laughs) Thank you for that beautiful description of that film. Learn more about it. Tune in next time for Dread. And thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram.
And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. An All Points West production produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.